Hi everyone, welcome to Jojo's World. Hello, amigos. Alright. Not racist at all. Hmm. I'm Liam S. Smith, one of your co-hosts. And I'm Nick, the other co-host of the Ballantine Variety. Almost didn't get away with that, but I got there in the end. Your, um, your little intro there reminded me of a fringe show I saw last night. Go on. It's called uh, Juan Vesuvius, Calypso Nights. Ooh. It was uh, a, a man from Venezuela. Ah. Uh, it's sort of DJing slash stand-up comedy show where he introduced us to Calypso music. Huh. It's funny. He told us that Calypso was about uh, sex, politics, and having fun. And then he taught us through like little um, stand-up-y digressions of each bit of that. Ah, interesting. And then, like, at one point he was, like, playing on one of his turntables Calypso music, on the other, Jean-Paul Sartre talking in French. It was like, <laughs> Calypso. Jean-Paul Sartre. It's very different. <laughs> okay. Also, he did the first five minutes of the show in Spanish before he, quote-unquote, realised that none of us spoke it. <laughs> and then he, revo- he turned his turntables to reverse and quickly mimed through what he had done in reverse. Oh, that's great. Yeah, funny. Oh, also, the show ended with him denouncing Donald Trump, then all of us dancing on stage while he passed around a bottle of tequila. <laughs> it's like, that's it, we're all fucked. Tequila it up. Which is like, you know, have a good time, be good to each other, have some tequila. Hey man, that sounds like a good Friday night. I'm seeing the sequel show next week, you should come. There's a sequel show? It's called Juan 2. <laughs> Juan? Juan. Juan 2. Oh uh, no, because that one was Juan part Juan. Well it was, yeah. Yeah. Sure. This will be Juan part Juan. Duso. It'll be Juan 2. Ah, nice. Anyway, this is not a show about fringe shows I've seen. No, it's This is about... a show about Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. Which is a bit of a fringe show, <laughs> if you catch my drift. There's a little bit of the uh, sort of stylistic fringe when it comes to... You know, really in sort of the mainstream anime, you see a lot more sort of like childish characters going on, big adventures, but in this it's really, you know, sort of manly men doing manly things, to quote the name of that webcomic. Who hurt you, Liam? Who I hurt think you? I just hate myself. <laughs> I hate that I'm a guy who owns an anime podcast. <laughs> no, but see, it's okay because it's an anime podcast about JoJo's. Today we watched episode 3 of Stardust Crusaders, The Curse of Dio. Covers chapters 120 through 122 of the manga. That's two chapters. Three. 120. Oh, yes, you are correct. Yep. Yes, basic edition. It's happened before, Nick. Yes, <laughs> indeed it has. It's a good app. Yeah, sort of a, a, a slower paced one than some of the ones we are accustomed to. But I think, you know, it establishes a lot of interesting stuff to come. Mm. And also... Menacing. Yeah, menacing spoon. Oh my god, so much menacing. <laughs> so, let's get right into it, I guess. Okay. We open straight with the OP. No um, real foreshadowing or anything this week. Well, I mean, I did notice, I did notice, mm-hmm. there are five stars that are falling in the OP. And then there's a sixth one. Way off to the right. Way off to the right. But what does that mean? Mm, I don't know. Is it a Dio? Is it a Holly? Is it a red herring? Could mean a lot of things. It could mean anything. I think based on this episode, you've probably figured out what all of the sort of travel imagery in the OP is about. It might have something to do with an Egypt of some kind. The fact that they're going on some sort of quest to kill Dio. Yeah, in Egypt. (laughs) Now, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves for our prediction segment, but um, do you think that the structure of this part is going to be sort of... Next episode, they're in Egypt, or it's going to be like, we're going to Egypt because we have 50 days to kill Dio. Hmm. They're on a time limit here, but do you think they will be, like, chasing Dio around the world, or just trying to get to where he is? Well, apparently he hasn't moved from Egypt in, like, months. Yeah. Years, even. So that's where Abdul saw him years ago, and that's where... 
Yeah. So it might... Tatooine saw him months ago. It might be that we keep seeing Dio, but then he has a new henchman in a new place. Mm, okay. So it's sort of like Carmen Sandiego. Yeah. In that it's like... <laughs> That's it's, what I was going to say. It starts off with like, hey, it's Dio, we should get him. And then he's like, haha, you fools. I'm stealing the Eiffel Tower. As he runs away with like a cunning grin and beautiful hair. Yeah, where on earth is Dio Brando? The answer... Closer than you think. Ooh. His stand is that he's always behind you. <laughs> but yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. At the same time, it could literally be in Egypt for like the entire season. And then the next season, they're in like London and America and all that. I don't know. I don't know. Anything else to say about the OP? I did notice that the thorns were mm. red. And also... Not purple. Yep. The thorns in that one particular panning shot that goes down to Jotaro, they emerge from Holly's back. And yeah. in this episode, we see her stand, which is a sort of a, an unformed thing, which is... That have got some berries. Thorny and... branches and plantation. Yeah. Just growing out of her back and killing her. But what does it mean? That's a genuine question. What does it mean? I mean, I guess... Can you tell me? Is it spoilers? I'm not really sure what you mean. Well, I mean, if it's coming from her back, that would imply that perhaps her back has some kind of plot important element to it. No, not really. Never mind. It's just the fact that... I guess Star Platinum, which we now know is called Star Platinum, mm-hmm. sort of first emerged standing, standing behind Jotaro, uh, yeah, which is, I guess, you know, how the, the term stand gets its in-universe justification. Mm. You are so pleased that we now know the name of that stand. I have. I accidentally said it on recording last week, but I don't think you noticed. Did you? Yeah. Oh, okay. I was like, then Star Platinum does this. Oh, well, there you go. I right. only noticed it when I was editing it yesterday. <laughs> good, good. I am very attentive. But there were so many times where I was referring to Joseph's or Jotaro's... Wait, hang on. We have to really hit the Joe in that blooper boy on Twitter told us. It's Jotaro. Jotaro. Yeah. Gotcha. Jotaro. Jotaro. Anyway. And I guess the the plant imagery is sort of to do with the fact... A, it sort of links it to, I guess, Joseph's stand thematically. Yep. And also B, the fact that it's sort of growing off her life force and consuming her. Not at all macabre. And it's like one of those sort of creeper vines that would like suckle the nutrients away from all the other plants and lead to like widespread vegetation death around it. Okay. You know like how plants will like kill, they're like vines and stuff that will kill trees that they grow sort of up and around. Aren't those just like weeds? Yeah, a form of weed. Oh. But there's like vines and stuff that will do that. Oh, well, never mind. Okay. Yeah. You ever heard of kudzu? No. That's a very fast-growing um, vine that's, that really sucks to be around if you're like into like vegetation and stuff. Oh, okay. If you're into vegetation. You know, if you're like a sort of an agriculture type. If, you know, you're like a tree. I don't know if I pronounced that right. I'm probably very wrong, in fact. Anyway. Anyway. After the OP, uh, uh-huh. we sort of pick up a little bit before we left off last week where they're like, Kakyoin's going to die. He's got this flesh bite in his head. It's really gross. Dun-dun-dun. Joseph explains that this is why he swore loyalty to Dio. Because of charisma. Ooh. The quality that will make a soldier unquestionably obey a dictator. That will make true believers follow a cult leader. This young man admired Dio and swore loyalty to him. I don't know if swore loyalty is quite the right word. Not when it's really sort of involuntary. Mm, more like surgically implanted loyalty. Basically what it means is the flesh bard sort of wasn't necessarily sort of mind to control in the sense that it's like, Dio is my master, I have to obey everything he says. Mm. More so that... It inspired a feeling of reverence for Dio, which then induced him to be like, this guy's amazing, I'm going to work with him, I'm going to do everything he says, I'm even going to kill these guys because he wants me to. Dio is an appealing option. I will follow him until the Mm. ends of the earth. And sort of, as you were saying when we watched it, sort of the the sort of hypnotic charisma of a vampire Mm. is a traditional vampire 
storytelling device. The power of charm, guys. I mean, in a more literal sense, Dracula's hypnotise people to let them into their house. Yeah, you know, they have to get invited in. Yeah. But that's neither here nor there. (laughs) Dio comes to kill uh, Joseph and Jotaro, but uh, he can't because they're just standing on the other side of the threshold of their house. (laughs) Holly is there being like, no, I I don't want to let you in. He's just knocking on the window. Guys... Guys, let, let me in, please. Of course, no. everything went wrong for George when he invited Dio Pranto into his house. <gasps> Ooh. Ooh. Anywho, <laughs> Abdo was like, hey, guess what? Four months ago, I met Dio in Egypt. What? Plot twist. It was the night of the full moon. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, he's a fortune teller by trade, and he has a shop in the souk uh, Karnel Khalili. You looked it up, and a souk is a bazaar, or... It's like a shopping district. A bazaar, huh? Well, that's not a pun. That, that's just a... It's like D-level wordplay. Yeah, it's like right at the bottom tier. <laughs> yeah. Along with all the dank memes and whatnot. And he's going up to the shop. I guess he probably lives on the second floor of his shop or something. That seems common. Yeah, I mean... he's going Anyway, he's going upstairs. Yeah. And Dio is just standing on the stairs. He's what? backlit again. What? He's beautiful. Avdol describes his uh, cold gaze piercing his heart and his gold hair and his nearly transparent alabaster skin culminating in a sort of overwhelming presence. It's like, he's just standing there, but you do feel a sense of, ooh, yeah. that is a well, beautiful being. Dio being as mysterious as he is in this part has like a really sort of, I guess, considering they're all dudes, it really keys into sort of the 80s sense of like threatening homosexuality. <laughs> threatening homosexuality. Because it was very common to see a lot of like gay villains in that, that era. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Dio has, Dio is like sort of, very appealing as, yeah. as a physical form. And he's sort of, in these scenes, he is sort of, like, weirdly sexual. Mm. Like, he sort of licks his lips when he sees Abdul. Like, hey, I've heard you've got a special power. Would you mind showing it to me? Licked the lips. And I think there's a future one with uh, Kakuin or another character where we see something similar. Where he's, like, sort of speaking right into their ear. Oh. Oh, okay. Interesting. Mm. I just thought maybe it was the tentacle hair that did it. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty threatening. Speaking from a Japanese perspective, that's also very sensual. <laughs> <laughs> Jokes about tentacle rain. <laughs> just kill me. Hey, man, it's deeply seated in their uh, culture as the fisherman's wife is a very important piece of... I'm not familiar art. with that, honestly. What, the fisherman's wife? No. It's the really famous one where the squid or octopus is having sex with the fisherman's wife. Cool. Um, yeah, it's a it's a quite significant art piece. But in... I mean, there's a really significant piece of Greek or Roman art of like a man basically having sex with a dolphin and they don't produce cultural content about that. No, but it's interesting <laughs> because, right, back in, I can't remember what period it was, but back in the day when the Americans came, they were all like, you oh, can't yeah. be like walking around the naked. The Meiji Restoration or whatever. Yeah, and they were like, you can't be walking around naked, you can't be having this weird like sex stuff. And so censorship got a bit weirder, right? But then when the Japanese government was like, you can't have erotic vision stuff, okay? You can't do that stuff anymore. All these senses were like, you can't, you can't just have, like, normal sex, okay? We're not going to say anything about other sex, but you can't have normal sex. So all the artists were just like, what if we used a squid? What if it was weird? Yeah, what if we used, like, an octopus? And they were like, what, why would you use an octopus? I don't know, but, but what if, like, we use an octopus? I'm like, I don't fucking care, just whatever. Nick, I'm learning more than I ever wanted to know about the genesis of Tentacle Hentai. There's, there's a really interesting video on it. Is there, like, though? It's really interesting! It's, like, all about how when America came over, they developed this different set of, like, um, sensibilities. Mores. Yeah, it's really interesting. But anyway, that isn't bizarre enough yeah, to be in this podcast. Some might say too bizarre. <laughs> he was in Egypt. Yep. He saw like, Dio. Oh, 
The most terrifying part is like the peace that his words brought to my soul. He was so charming. Charisma. Charisma. <laughs> so Abdul freaks out and jumps out the window and runs away as the Dio's hair sort of forms into sharp tentacles with like spikes on the end. They're like surgically about to... And I guess that's what it uses to implant these flesh buds. Well, I mean, I hope so. (laughs) I don't want to see other methods. It's just sort of a stylish thing I'm trying. Do you think it's working, guys? Just this Uh, new do I'm rocking? Hey, Dio, maybe tone it down on the tentacles. Maybe just a bit. Because I had this guy a hundred years ago uh, named Bruford. Uh, He had this prehensile hair and I thought that was really cool. So I thought I'd sort of try my own sort of take on that. Slowly, like, piercing their skulls. (laughs) Are you sure this is okay? Actually, you know what? On second thought, I think you look great. <laughs> we see the sort of the tendrils chase him into the night briefly, and he's like, yep. uh, "If I didn't know the souk like the back of my hand, I could I could never have gotten away, and I would have ended up just like Kakyoin." And Dio couldn't follow him because it was a labyrinthine layout, mm. which I like because those things are really labyrinths. I assume so. Labyrinths, labyrinth, labyrinths, labyrinths, starring David Bowie. Yeah, and Joseph is like, and then you would have died like Kakuin here is going to with the flesh bud devouring your brain entirely. Dun dun dun. And Jojo's like, uh, no, he's not dead yet. Check out this sick shit I'm about to do. So I thought as soon as he said that, he was just going to punch him in the face <laughs> and thus like kill the thing, right? It was if, half if, if that was a viable solution, Joseph probably could have just rippled it. <laughs> Joseph just could have been like, fuck you. Overdrive. Just click it, you know, <laughs> clicky hand. I mean, you think the cyborg hand would be pretty precise. Nah, it's Joseph's shine. <laughs> That's the thing. Joseph is controlling it. He's yeah. not a man of precision. <laughs> He's a man of, let's just fling him into space with, like, some volcano rock. You know? Wait a minute. Kakuin isn't dead yet. Boom, summons his stand. And then there it is. Star Platinum. That has yet to be named. Yep. But I know what it is now! And it's so much easier to talk about. Oh my god. Uh, my stand has the precision to uh, grab a bullet and the accuracy to do whatever else that it did <laughs> recently. Something like punch people really hard. But Joseph is like, no, there's a reason that not even the best surgeon can extract the flesh blood. And Jojo grabs it and it shoots out like a gross tentacle into the flesh of his hand. And slowly oh. works his way up his body, aiming to get to his brain. We didn't mention uh, the little surgical shot with the skull. Oh yeah, it goes yeah. like sort of full slim good body and we see a cutaway of... The the flesh bud and like a spike driving right down into the core of Kakuin's brain. Right to the amygdala. Sure. Yep. Which is the part of the brain that does... Okay, so it's like the back root part mm, that's yeah. more to do with like the primal The part lizard of the brain. brain. Yeah, so you got like your cerebral cortex at the front that's like more high level functioning. And then you got the very back, very bottom is your amygdala that's connected to the spine. That's like lower level emotions and like needs and desires and all that sort of stuff, I think. It's not to do with memory, though, because memory's slightly different. But it's just like, I feel good if my amygdala gets prodded by this brain slug. Right. So, he's obviously done his research when he drew it. I'm just saying. It's a smart motherfucker. All right. That sort of gross tentacle just, like, drives straight up Jojo's body. Gets up to up into his face. It's gross. Jojo doesn't seem to, bo- like, be bothered at all. No, he's he's pretty fine with it. Yeah. Because it's, it's a really cool contrast, because Kakuin wakes up at this point, and his eyes have, like, this sort of, like, faint vibration, like, indicating, like, nervousness and discomfort, and Jojo's are just solid as a rock. I think, like, when he wakes up, jo- Jojo immediately goes, don't move. Yeah. And he's like, you... Because I guess he's still evil at this point. Yeah, I guess. The phrase he uses is, is that Japanese, like, Kisama, which is like sort of an aggressive form of you, uh, you, I think. So it's just like a, you son of a bitch. Essentially, I guess. <laughs> you brilliant motherfucker. 
I would hate you if I didn't respect you so goddamn much. <laughs> it reminds me of there's this um guy who does they would be vines if Vine was still around, I guess, but they're just like short videos like making fun of anime tropes and stuff. Mm. And one of them Pro, is Pro ZD or whatever his I name don't know is. Their name. He's like a slightly chubby Asian man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I love him. The one that I've seen is uh it's like comparing anime um actual subs to fan subs. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So in the in the um in the actual subs, it's like he's uh, he's wearing one of those Naruto headbands, and mm. he's like, "Sasuke, you are my friend, so I must come and save you, and I won't accept it when you tell me that you don't want to come back because friends stick together." And then fan subs, "Sasuke, you son of a bitch, you're my Nakama, so we're going to do this, and I'm not going to take no for an answer, you dick." <laughs> so good. Yeah, I love his um the harem harem like the harem anime. But everyone is a piece of furniture. <laughs> that sounds good. Oh, lampstand kun. Won't you stand by me? <laughs> it's like, it goes for like 40 seconds or something of just puns. It's <laughs> so good. So long story short, uh, Star Platinum pulls this thing out and then like in a really cool move, he like goes, Hur! and then yanks on it, pulls the sluggy thing, the tendril out of his Ooh, tendril. Circulatory system <laughs> Out of his vein Yep I assume Just Yanks it and then throws it across the room And Joseph karate chops it with an overdrive So we do still get some Hamon About action. time we heard the welcome crackle of Hamon <laughs> Says part one Speedwagon Ah uh, yes He's clearly just decided Now is the time to use Hamon mm-hmm. Not to squeeze it perfectly with Hamon or anything I guess just... it probably would have hurt Would have hurt Kakuin If he rippled it when it was in his brain uh, Yes I guess Doesn't that's matter. a good yeah. You know but... And then Jotaro just straightened his hat and starts walking out. Because heroes don't need friends. <laughs> we all walk away from explosions when yep. we're that cool. <laughs> this is important because Kakuin's like, why did you risk your life to save me? And he's like, I don't know. If there was a reason, I couldn't say. And Holly's eavesdropping on this being like, I know you're a sweet boy. I know you, you little shit. You're a good chap. And in this episode, you really see a lot of evidence. There's this interpretation of Jojo's character that I really like, where, in fact, he's just fronting as this sort of cool, tough guy, but he's really kind of a huge goobus. Yeah. What the- Hang on, a goobus? Goober. What the hell is a goober? Dweeb. A- oh. Dork. No. Sweet, sweet boy. <laughs> Mama's child. Good sweet boy. <laughs> sweet child of mine. Yep. I, I can't do it without a guitar. I'm useless. I don't really like Guns N' Roses. No one does, but that's a damn good song. <laughs> I don't like the sound of the singer's voice. Who? Axel? It's a bit like sort of nasal. Yeah, that, precisely. That yeah, yeah, yeah. It's sonically unpleasing. <laughs> it is mechanically to my ears akin to a power drill. <laughs> yeah, no, but uh, Slash. How can, you, how can you not love Slash? He's a cool guy. I mean, there's a lot of sort of mythos about Slash built up and... The more fantastic bits of that I'm a real fan of, because I'm just really into, like, slash fiction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could punch you in the face right now. <laughs> I just wanted to go for that joke. God damn, man. Uh, we sort of skip ahead a bit. I think there's a doink. <laughs> and we sort of cut back to, like, the racist Joseph Power Hour. Oh, but have we had the uh, the dramatic doink yet? No. Oh, it's so. coming. It's coming. Uh, Blooper Boy on Twitter, one of our followers, follow- uh, pointed out that, uh, in their opinion, the doink is often used to, like, show the passage of time. And I guess that makes sense because you're dealing with a sort of... It's basically almost sort of a um, an auditory clock in a sense. Mm. It's similar to, I guess, the chiming of a clock in that, like, this thing takes so long to fill up with... Yeah, with it's water. sort of like and a Japanese... ...would do it on a regular basis because, like, fill, 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 doink. Oh, it's been that interval of time. Yeah. One of those things where 
it would fill up and then it would fall down. Though I do think and fall down. I do fall think up. that in this episode there are times where it is A used as like a sort of rimshot effect and B used as like a what? Oh no. I swear it's mainly for drama in most stuff. You gotta admit Surely. in the in the scene that's coming up though, it's definitely like a boom because Holly asks Joseph to lay out a futon for Kakuin because he's going to stay the night and let his wounds heal. And Joseph's like, no, I hate futons. Put a real bed in my room, Holly. And she just it says, don't call me Holly, call me Seiko. Hey. Because Holly is derived from the word holy, apparently. Uh-huh, go on. Allegedly. So, yeah. And the Japanese word for Holly, for holy, is Seinaru. Uh-huh, yeah. So all my friends call me Seiko. And Joseph hates this. What? No! My daughter's name is Holly! It's Holly, dammit! I'm not gonna answer unless you call me Seiko. Holly! How are you, Kakuin? Holly! Listen to me, Holly! Doink. Beautiful. It's dawn. There are birds, there are sunshine. There are sunshine. There are sunshine. There are sunshine. Let the sunshine. (laughs) Joseph has changed his outfit again. No one else has. Maybe Holly has. Yeah, I'm sure Holly has. He's in his PJs. (laughs) He's walking around. He's dragging a blanket by his foot. He hasn't changed a bit. (laughs) He hasn't. Changed into his day clothes because Holly brought him JoJo's pants instead. Ah, the fool. He's like, they fit fine, but I can't wear these. <laughs> They're a little bit, uh, you know, wrong. Yeah, that's, it's not quite right, is it? No, it's more, it's more made for someone who's not like 70. Maybe she's not going to answer unless I call her Seiko. No, I refuse. My daughter's name is Holly. I will call her Holly. And now JoJo's leaving for school and he's like, I'm definitely going to go to school today. He has to preface... Definitely gonna go to school. I saw a funny, um, saw, saw a funny Tumblr post, which was the Always Sunny sort of title card yeah. uh, meme, where it's Jojo in that shot being like, I'm definitely going to go to school today, title card, Jojo skips school. <laughs> and then I added, uh, didn't get any Tumblr notes for this. Uh, oh yeah. I added another one which said, dot dot dot, for like 50 days. <laughs> it's true, because he goes to Egypt. Yeah. God damn. And this is another important moment in the Jojo secretly a dweeb moment. Because Mm -hmm. the point where he realises something isn't quite right is because he gets, like, upset that his mum isn't there to kiss him goodbye. Hmm. That would be how it plays out. Yeah. Huh? Why isn't my mummy here? I I could use a a, a goodbye kiss. I I would shout at her and call her a bitch like I always do, but I secretly like it. What if, like, his thought process right now would be, huh, that's how it would play out. I do enjoy my goodbye kiss. Where the fuck is my goodbye kiss, that bitch? We're gonna go get my goodbye kiss. (laughs) Sort of an ominous silence starts to set in here, and there's like some sort of distorty music to draw your attention to the fact that there's no real sound. Avdol is quietly walking around the huge house. The mansion, if you will. And he rounds the corner. (gasps) What? An errant spoon. It's just a spoon laying on the outside hallway. And, and then the a, best shot. A huge line of ominous katakana just flies up out of it. Menacing. What? It's so good. It's such a funny shot. It's like there's just this spoon and then boom. As this katakana slowly creeps into Basically like shot. Inception horns. Yeah. And then it moves across the whole screen yeah. to the other side and more replaces it yeah. on the right hand side. What? It's so good. So he opens the door that's adjacent to this spoon and the fridge is open and there's lots of like Steam, medical supplies yeah. and cutlery or whatever just scattered around. What could be happening? The door sort of swings a bit and he sees Holly's hand and she's collapsed by the fridge. <gasps> he runs over and she's running a high fever and is clearly quite ill. No! And then he sees something sort of hovering around her neck and shoulders. 
Rot row. Now something really inconsistent that I noticed for the first time last night happens in the crate here. Here we go. So she's wearing like a blue jacket and like a grey top. Uh-huh. And when he turns her over to look at her back, he just pulls on the jacket in the way that you would yeah, pull yeah, on yeah. something that is like, you know, a uh, button-up shirt or a, a jacket. I'm he aware. just pulls that down and then just the top is gone. I've watched a lot of hentai to know that that's Shut totally... Up, Nick. <laughs> look, you can't contort this podcast with your sick fetishes. <laughs> Look, I know that's just how shirts work in animated series, okay? If it needs plot, you just... It's like how in... Uh, we may have talked about this in the show before. In the Yakuza games, whenever they're going to have an important fight, they um they take off their shirts to reveal their Yakuza back tattoos. Yeah. And uh, so they all do that one, mo- that one movement where they sort of grab their... They're all wearing suits. Do you mean the... They all grab their... um. Their suit jacket and their shirt mm. just above their belt, and yeah. they they lift their hand up to like a, a um praising like, the sun. Yeah, a praising the sun motion. That's better yeah. than what I was going to say. <laughs> and the the jacket and the shirt come away in one smooth motion, untorn. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it's pretty Don't, easy to isn't do. Isn't that how you take your clothes off? <laughs> come on, Liam. That's it. Maximum drama. Why was I talking about that? I don't know. Okay. Uh, be- oh, because we pulled down her yeah. shirt. Yeah, and there's like all these sort of ethereal, thorny vines there, that are, like bearing fruit as well. Dun dun dun. He's like, what? A stand? No, this can't be. Holly this- is delicate flower. At this point, we get one of those uh, break title cards. It's a uh, standmaster Joseph Joestar, stand name Hermit Purple. He is looking great. So let's talk way. about the Hermit. Oh, oh, okay. Yep. Let's Tarot time. Dun 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 dun. dun. Bing. The Hermit is the ninth card in the Major Arcana. Okay. It represents, like, introspection, searching, and also guidance and solitude. Just putting it out there, none of that sounds like Joseph, so I'm glad he's got well, something to do Well, I mean, he provides him. guidance in this part, for sure, and he has been using his power to search for Dio for the last few years. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, okay. Uh, introspection and solitude, less so, though I guess... Yeah. Uh, at least on the part of Solitude, it could sort of symbolise the fact that he's moved away from being the main character. In a sort of symbolic sense. To an ensemble cast? Yeah. But he also has, like, the least sort of protagonisty stand out of all of them, in that he can't really fight people with it. Yeah, okay, I guess. I suppose. He stands alone, in mm. the sense that he only helps others. The Hermit often suggests a need for time alone. A period of reflection when distractions are limited. In terms of action and high energy, he stands with a still centre that must be created for balance. Holly! Where's my pizza? <laughs> Holly, I hate this Japanese coffee. Holly, why do I have to live in Japan? Holly, make me regular American Magi two-minute noodles. Holly, what is this floor? This isn't cement. This is wood. No, I won't stand for it, Holly. It can also indicate that withdrawal or retreat is advised for the moment. In addition, the hermit can represent seeking of all kinds, especially for deeper understanding or the truth of a situation. Seek and ye shall find, we have been told. And so the hermit stands for guidance as well. We can receive help from wise teachers and in turn help others to progress. Which, as I said, sort of represents the sort of navigator role he's playing in this. Hmm. Interesting. It is opposed by uh, the lovers, which represents being in a relationship sexually. So no solitude. Yeah, no solitude. Yep, no solitude. <laughs> and the world, which demonstrates involvement with the world. Ooh. And Joseph has no involvement with the world. He <laughs> hates Japan. <laughs> <laughs> he's been around the world a couple of times. Maybe more. Did he enjoy it, though? He's, been, he's seen some sights. He's had some fights. On know, many a foreign shore. He's uh, he's killed some ascended ones. What's the next lyric to this? I have no but idea. When my friends all ask me if there's a place that I adore, I tell them right away. Cheers. Give me a home among the gum trees with lots of plum trees, a sheep or two, a kangaroo, 
a clothesline out the back. It's getting a little worse the further we're going because <laughs> it gets less relevant. And also I'm remembering them less and less. Although it, it Ver- sounds like Burke's backyard is making a comeback. Veranda out the front, is it? I mean, and an old rocking chair. Probably. Okay, we, so. we got there. We got there. Anyone who has never seen Burke's backyard, you're missing out on I that. I think it's sort of a general Australian folk song too. I mean, I think that's why they used it. Anywho. Yep, there we go. And it is reinforced by the higher priestess, which can demonstrate looking inward or introspection. What if Holly is the high priest? Well, we're probably not going to see her again. Spoiler alert, Holly Stan does not get a name. Ah, That's lame. Okay. So anyway, Avdol closes the fridge. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I just realised, uh, Holly wasn't put in the fridge, but she was very close to the fridge. Hey, that's a, yeah. that's a comic book storytelling thing. That is a, that is a trope, if ever there I heard trope. <laughs> He's like, no, we only thought that only Joseph and uh, Jojo were affected by Dio. But Holly has to as well, because she's a Joestar. Excuse me. Rip shirt down. Yeah. Ah, yes. We can confirm this, because she has a tattoo that we didn't and need to... And in this, like, Holly is belly conscious, and she's breathing, like, really l- l- belaboredly. <gasps> yeah, not like that. <laughs> <laughs> not quite. And he explains that because stands are controlled by their user's mental strength and uh, move using their fighting instincts, and Holly... Is a gentle, serene, calm, beautiful lady. Yeah, she lacks the strength to withstand Dio's curse. How Dare he. Which means that her stand is harming her and consuming her life force. That's not so good. Now, this is something that's funny. This this is something that makes sense right now at the time a lot. Your grin but just went from like, you know what's funny though? You know the, what's funny? Over the course of this and future parts, mm-hmm. we're going to meet a few characters and it's going to be like, wait, these guys have more fighting spirit than Holly? <laughs> okay. I can't elaborate on that right now, but there's going to be some real ridiculous examples there. Okay. But I just feel like Holly isn't a fighting person no, at all. No, no. So it, it makes perfect sense. So For now. It, it, okay. All right. Okay. Jojo and Joseph are in the doorway. They look really serious. They're like, oh no. Joseph screams, grabs Jojo by the shirt front and slams him against the wall. Oh, yeah. <laughs> True. And Jojo sort of calmly grabs him by the mechanical hand and almost crushes it and pulls his hand away being like, what do we need to do? Does he almost crush it? Well, I mean, there's I mean, a lot of There sounds. are, like, cracking noises. But maybe it's just because the clicky thing True. isn't happening. But, I mean, he's certainly exerting a lot of pressure on it, is what I mean to say. Yeah. His stand is channeling through his rage. He's just a strong guy, too. Yeah, true. He is, like, two metres tall. Has a stand that's literally the most strong thing you've ever seen. I mean, it's, its power was just being a real tough guy. Yeah. So there you go. And they, they, they decide that we need to kill Dio and to lift the curse and save Holly. Confirmed. We need to kill Dio again. Good. But they can't find him. All the spirit photos only show darkness. What will they do? Uh, that is a good question. So Jojo's like, let me look at it. And he manifests his stand. Mm-hmm. And his stand, like, basically just, like, zoom and enhance on one of the photos. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, literally, like, hang on. I have the precision of a bullet and an accuracy of catching a bullet. So and, and pulling out a flesh bud. And pulling out a flesh bud. I got this. Yeah. Okay. So he grabs a pen and paper and his stand, um, sketches. Yeah. He sketches something like in the dark. Speed draws with super accuracy this sort of really scientific photo of this fly that's in the darkness in the background of the photo. And they're just like, what the fuck? What the fly? Now, this is interesting to me because I subscribe to the opinion that for the most part, unless it's specifically a part of the stand, uh, unless autonomy is specifically a part of the stand, the stand is essentially a part of the person as opposed to like a separate thing. That makes sense? Yes. So, especially with some antagonist stands, you'll see ones that have some more autonomy and can sort of speak and be away from their user, or at least their user will speak through them. Okay. But for the most part, especially with the protagonist ones, it's sort of just 
an extension of their will, like a yeah. hand or a soul, because souls are a thing in this. Yeah. Uh, so I think it's interesting that in this scene specifically, Star Platinum is seeing something Jojo can't and drawing based on it. Mm. I feel like that still makes sense because it's not doing much beyond drawing something. Mm. But it's almost like it's it has to communicate with him as well. Yeah. It also did bring him a radio, an RC <laughs> car, and you know. It's a dark spirit, man. It's an evil spirit. It can do what it wants. He draws this fly, and Abdov's like, I know this fly. Which, I mean, makes perfect sense since he's from Egypt, as we will mm-hmm. find out. But at the same time, what? How do you recognise a fly, bro? Jojo, do you have an encyclopedia or anything? And Jojo's like, there's a whole library because we're super rich. Cool. So he's like, I'm going to gonna go do some research. BBS, son. Yeah, just goes off. So he leaves, and we see Kakuin is there watching him leave. Yep. And Kakuin is just like, man, that poor woman. Avdol's in the library. He's um reading by like just a burst of fire that he's created, which is fun. I'm sure this room has electricity. I fucking love the fact that he's just like, yeah, just it's just floating there near all the very flammable books. Yeah, but don't worry, it's a magician's red. Yeah. So as he's soon in as perfect anything... control of the fire. Yeah, as soon as anything goes on fire, that's true. Fun. He probably can put things out too. Well, I mean, only if it's his fire, right? Yeah, well, I don't know. It's unclear. He's going to be the source of it anyway. So, mm. and he's looking. He's doing research and. Uh, Kakuin comes in and is like, can stands really kill you? Answer? Yeah. Y- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. He basically gives us, like, the prognosis for Holly. And we see uh, a shot of her getting consumed by thorns. Yeah. She's nude. Uh, she's <laughs> sort of wrapped in these ever, ever constricting vines. Oh my. And as he talks about how eventually, she, at first it seems like she'll just have a fever. Ooh. But eventually she'll, like, suffer a variety of illnesses and then fall into a coma and die. It's sort of... Constrict tighter, and the pe- camera pans up to her hand, which falls limp, and then all the colour sort of drains out. Uh, of yeah. The thing. Less, less sexy. It's, it's a good than, shot. Yeah. Less sexy than before, just dead person. It wasn't sexy, because she's in pain. Yeah, I guess, yeah. It was very fan servicey though, where it was just like, look. I don't know if it was, really. Why does she need to be naked? I don't know, it's just sort of a, um... There it's, you go. It sort of creates an air of vulnerability. Yeah, yeah, I guess. I suppose. Cleverly placed hand, cleverly placed thorn. But fortunately, this takes about 50 days to happen, so they will find and kill Dio in that time and save her life. We got this. Then we cut back to the living room again. Jojo, uh, Joseph has changed again. Now he's wearing like a cool black shirt with a yellow tie and suspenders. He is going full Indiana Jones. I think this is the last outfit he puts on before he just switches to his usual outfit for the series. Okay. Alright. Which is the, the brown coat and... Oh, well, actually, that brown coat's a bit of an outlier, too, because I think for the most part he's wearing that sort of, um, the Indiana Jonesy outfit we saw in the OP, where he's just sort of wearing, like, a sort of tan shirt. Ah. Tan t-shirt. Okay. Interesting. I could be, I could be misremembering that, though. I mean, I also could be getting it. I mean, wrong. they get into hotter areas pretty quickly because of where they're going. Um, <laughs> Not wearing a coat. So I guess imagine. switching out of the coat then probably makes sense. Ugh. Useless. So, Joseph starts babying Holly, like he washes her face and brushes her hair, it's and like, brushes li- her teeth and feeds her apples. I just love that it's like, now, now, Holly, you just stay seated, and Joe's just like... Let Daddy take care of you. Yeah, Joseph is a bit like, I got you, babe, it's okay. And then Holly's like, hey, why don't we, get, you know, change my underwear? And he immediately is just like, he's like... Don't worry, it was a joke, Dad. It's a joke. I like how she likes to mess with him. That's like yeah. a very sort of believable relationship. So funny. Yeah. Oh, and then she tries to get out she of... Tries, yeah, she tries to go make uh, Jojo some dinner. Yeah. And he shouts, just stay the fuck in bed. 
Jotaro is not having it. And then, like, he catches himself and is like, uh, you, you shouldn't uh, do anything until your fever dies down. I'm, I don't want to show concern for you because I'm a cool, yeah. tough guy. So he says, just shut up and get better. <laughs> so just, like, fuck you, bitch. He's trying to be cool and tough, but, like, he loves his mummy. I want my morning kisses. <laughs> and she's like, oh, you've all been so nice to me since I've got sick. Sometimes that isn't so bad. And then she passes out. <laughs> Literally just falls unconscious. Yeah. It's like, uh, what? No! And they realised that she knew what was happening all along. And she was just hiding it. Yeah, didn't want to make them worry. Which is really sort of short-sighted of her. Well... Oh, I've got these vines growing out of my back. wonder when that's going to go away. Hopefully soon. <laughs> Classic. Classic lovable mother. Then Abdul comes in and is like, I found it. That fly is the Nile Weiwei fly. Which is found near the Nile River, River Basin. And these stripes on these legs mean it's specifically the Aswan Weiwei fly. So they're going to Egypt and the city of Aswan. Nice. And then that's some dope figuring out, but at the same time, you couldn't just remember that instead of going to an encyclopedia. Is that? I don't know. Probably wanted to make a reference. Yeah, but like he went through like three encyclopedias and then picked up a fourth one. Surely the fly would have been in the one that he goes, oh, maybe F for fly. Or maybe. Or N for Nile. Yeah, or U for Weiwei. Or A for Ast. Yeah, okay, yeah. there's four possibilities. Yeah. Never mind. Yeah. And then Kakuin's like, Egypt, huh? Why, I met Dio in Egypt like three months ago when he put that flesh blood. Fesh... Fesh bud. He put that fesh blood in my face. He put that fesh blood. Yep. I was on a family vacation. Maybe Dio's staying there for some reason. Hmm. I feel like it would have been cool if they if they hadn't, um... If they hadn't put together that this flyer was from Egypt, they probably could have been like, um... Okay, Avdol encountered him in Egypt. Kakuin encountered him in Egypt. So... At the very least, we can go to Egypt and, like, try to pick up his trail from there. That yeah. would have been, like, a neat sort of alternate story, I think. Mm. I feel like it helped that two of them were from Egypt. Yeah. And then they were like, hang on, this fly is from Egypt. Now we know where to go. <laughs> yeah. As opposed to just Egypt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because Egypt's a big, you know, countries are a Man, big place. Egypt is massive. I mean, we're, if we're talking, like, you know, World War One or World War Two, the Battle of North Africa is... You know. I'm not, not sort of big on my military history. Oh man, it's treacherous. It's a treacherous place. Alright. That's as much as I know. <laughs> I know that there's actually a board game called The Battle for North Africa or something huh. like that. And Is it like miniature risk? Um, look, it's kind of like miniature schizophrenia mixed with anxiety. Because, like, the board is, like, yay big. He's uh, stretching out his arms like he just caught a fish this big. It, yeah, uh, by like that. Uh, he's like pointing about a meter in front of his body. It has something like eight rule books that comes with the core game. This sounds like more unpleasant than Settlers of Catan. Well, yeah, it is. In order to do combat, you have to go to a different board. <laughs> and then in order to do like diplomacy, you have a different board. And it's like there's so many different things and the tiny little hexes on the board are like that big for a board like that big of Africa. Nick, I don't want to play this game with you. Apparently it takes like... 90 days to get through one game. Jesus. And you're just like, man, that sounds awful. I want to play it. So Kakyoin is like, hey, I'm going to come to Egypt with you too. Jojo says, why? And Kakyoin says, I don't know. You brought me to my senses, that's all. Which I guess is meant to mimic how earlier Kakyoin said, "Uh, why did you save me? And Jojo said, I don't know. Just seemed like the right thing to do, that's all. It's like a nice little mirror. Yeah. I don't know what that was Kakuin, meant to Kakuin taps his head wound. That would be funny if he was like, ow. Yeah, he's just like, I don't really know. I've got <laughs> pretty severe brain damage. <laughs> yes. He's just there like, why did you do that for me? I don't know. <laughs> you, you what? Looks like someone messed with my language center. 
dear. <laughs> How dare he? Uh, yeah, so then we get the weird Kakyoin rant. Yeah, so everyone's like, we'll save you, Holly. It's gonna be great. And then Kakyoin just starts talking. If there was a woman that I would fall for. Well, I've got, I've got a got a translation of it here. Oh, God. Here we go. I didn't take this from the episode, so it might be inaccurate to the Crunchyroll subs, but whatever. Let's just say this will have a bit of an yeah. ilf vibe, if you know what I'm saying. Jojo's mother, Miss Holly, is a woman capable of calming the hearts of others. Uh-huh. People feel at ease while around her. Ugh. This might sound awkward. But if I were to fall in love, I'd like it to be with someone like her. Awkward. I would give my all to protect her, and I would want to see her warm, happy smile. More awkward. And if no one is making eye contact with him while he's talking. <laughs> he's just like, this woman, she, she's just so Jojo's mum is really like the sort of woman I'd like to fall in love with. I don't know how to make a joke out of that. That seems like a nice sentiment. So he sort of has a bit of a reputation in the fan community as like, sort of twisting the meaning of this to talking about how he wants to fuck Jojo's mum for the whole time. I don't see how you could ever get that meaning. <laughs> Someone drew a, um, a picture of him in a hypothetical appearance in a future part where someone's introducing him and they're like, and this is my friend Kakuin. And he's like, hey guys, I'm Kakuin. Does anyone have any hot mums? <laughs> oh man. He's the real player of this part, yeah. isn't he? He walks up to ladies and is like, what a beautiful ravishing smile you have. If there was someone I'd like to fall in love with. <laughs> there actually is a character like that in this part, but I'm not going to tell you who it is. <gasps> oh my God. Oh my God. Get hype. Kakuin for mad player. <laughs> so they're like, okay, time to leave immediately. Cut to all these cars pulling up outside the house and all these men in suits holding briefcases running in. Can, can we just, can we just emphasise how serious these guys are taking? Like, yeah. okay, these cars roll up as fast as possible. Like tire screeching stops. Yeah, stop. And then everyone just runs out. Yeah. And they're just like, what? Where is Miss Holly? <gasps> Someone from the, the Joestar family's in trouble. Mobilise the Speedwagon Foundation. That's it. We're in. The other guys kind of walk out and you see in the background some dude just sprinting. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what? What is going... This is not a medical emergency. She's okay. Yeah, it's sort of a long-term problem. Yeah. But I guess they want to sort of try to minimise the harm as much as possible. We can do as much research as possible yeah. on this lady. <laughs> Quick. She's got a stand. That's not going to hurt us at least. We can research it even though we can't see it. We can't see it. We don't know how it works. But we're in. So these are Speedwagon Foundation doctors who are going to be caring for Holly while... Uh, Everyone she knows leaves. While everyone she knows and loves fucks yeah. off. No, they're not going to call her husband and let her know that his wife might die. Liam, Just, don't be ridiculous. He's busy. He's playing jazz. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so they, uh, the chaps, as I would like to call yeah. them. I don't know what else to call them. It's not like they have a name. The, the uh, the, uh, sort the of. Con- the Conquerors. Star- the the, the Starlight. Stwing, the Squidless. Captain Starlight. The, the Capeless Cruxnaders. Yeah, so the capeless crocnators. Yep, that's a word. Uh, they walk out of the mansion towards the gate. Yep. Abdul says, uh, before we go, I'm going to name your stand. And Jotaro looks unamused. <laughs> He's going to take a tarot card uh, blindly from the deck, and it's going to choose his fate as well as his stand's power. Ooh. And he draws the star. Oh! <gasps> So I will name your stand Star Platinum. Because he's the star of the show. Yeah. Oh my god, it works so well. And Platinum just sounds sounds cool. (laughs) I just love, like, the way that uh, the voice actor says Platinum. Because you know how you get those weird English bits that yeah. are just like... Joseph Ujosta. Yeah, and you're just like, ooh, maybe maybe either practice more or just say it in Japanese, you know? Ah, uh, I like it. Star Platinum. But it's it's kind of sounded like Star Plaganum. I didn't hear that. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. And the narrator tells us its power is precise mov- movements and splendid strength. Splendid strength. Yeah. 
praise the sun, jolly cooperation. <laughs> and everyone else kind of gets a, a little bit like that too. Uh, yep. This is where we officially learn that Joseph's stand name is Hermit Purple. Yep. Uh, but let's talk about the star. Let's talk about the star. So the star is the uh, 17th card in the uh, Major Arcana. Ooh, prime number, prime number. Yep. It represents things like uh, regaining hope and inspiration and motivation mm-hmm. and uh, also generosity uh, in the forms of like holding back. Uh, holding no- <laughs> Sorry, holding nothing back. Okay, if it was in the form of holding back, Jotaro in a fucking <laughs> nutshell. Well, also it has serenity, um, which can be interpreted as uh, finding your centre and remaining tranquil amid trouble. Ah. That's, that's, uh, that's Jotaro that's for you. Yep, that's him. Also, fuck you, bitch. <laughs> so in readings, uh, the star is, according to LearnTarot.com, mm. most welcome when grief and despair have overwhelmed us, which sounds very sort of protagonisty. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yep. In our darkest moments, we need to know that there is hope and that there is light at the end of the tunnel. The star is the opposite of the devil, the devil who strips us of our faith in the future. Uh, it holds out the promise that we can eventually find peace of mind. The star also reminds us to open our heart and release our fears and doubts. Hmm. And I guess that might sort of reflect that thing we were talking about last week, how um, in early parts of the manga, sort of uh, Star Platinum would openly display Jojo's repressed emotions. Yeah. And then he'd just be like, I'm a happy guy. And Joe's just like, no. If you have been holding back in any way, now is the time to give generously. It's important to remember that the star is inspiring, but it is not a card of practical solutions or final answers. (laughs) Truly without hope, we can accomplish nothing, but hope is only a beginning. When you see the card, you know that you're on the right track. Your goals and your aspirations are blessed, but to realise them, you must take positive action. Use the light of the star to guide you in your efforts. And then the uh, theme song plays. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The theme song of the star. It's opposed by the devil, uh, as I said before, representing hopelessness, lack of faith and pessimism. Dio! The tower, which represents upheaval and chaos. And the moon, which uh, represents being troubled uh, or anxiety. Now, um, interesting. Before I sort of started learning about the tarot for the purposes of this, Mm -hmm. I knew two things about it. One that uh, stands the tarot. Well, yeah, but that wasn't one of the things I was going to say. One, the death, the death card means change uh, rather than explicit death. Yeah. But the other thing I knew is that the tower uh, (laughs) is the one that if you see it means you're going to have a bad time. Is this? Yeah. What does the tower mean? Or shall I not know well, yet? It says up here, upheaval and chaos. Oh yeah, true. And uh, the star is reinforced by the fool, which demonstrates Im- innocence, faith and trust, and the empress, which uh, invokes generosity and free-flowing love. Didn't we already have a fool? Yes, the fool came up uh, in reference to another card previously. Okay. I think it uh, opposed the magician, if I recall. Okay, alright. And I'm assuming that the empress might just be a holly. Maybe. Maybe. No comment. Maybe. So, an important panel is about to happen. Oh, yes. Everyone, st- everyone takes, like, one meaningful step at once. Can- you know, journey of a thousand kilometres starts with a single step sort of moment. Woof. Everyone steps at once in line. Perfectly in a straight line. And then it pans up and they're all standing really close to each other. Like, sort of side on. Looking into the camera. Manliness. Sort of chest to back. Oh, their manly manliness. And they say, let's go. Oh, as men. And as I showed you before we started recording, uh, because of the restrictions of the page size in the manga panel, they're all standing much closer together than they are in this too. It's very, uh, not sensual. Sort of, it's got some light homoerotic undertones. Yeah. <laughs> I just love that, like, you see it in the manga and you're like, Joseph's hand, not Joseph, uh, Jotaro's hand is really close to Kakuin's bod. Yeah. More or less. And so I was just waiting for it to just move up and be like, 
don't you want some of this, ladies? Do you want this? <laughs> I was like, ooh. No, um, Jojo needs to be completely sort of asexual to contrast with Dio's disturbing sensuality. <laughs> That's true. The way that Dio gets into people's head is being like, do you want some of this sweet bod? And it works in everyone except Jojo, who's like, no. <laughs> so uh, then we cut to the uh, ending song for the first time. Walk like an Egyptian. By the Bangles. Because they're going to Egypt. It's such a fit. I remember um, <laughs> when this was airing uh, in the Something Awful thread for it, mm. everyone was like, shit, this is such a fitting song. Why didn't any of us guess it? So, <laughs> <laughs> like, what could it be? What could it. Oh, maybe it's another Yes song. Oh, maybe it. It's Walk Like an Egyptian, yeah. that's it. Yeah. Uh, so the Bangles are a sort of pop rock group. Yes, they um, are, yes. Also known for Manic Monday, which is a good song. Ah, haven't heard it. Apparently, you'd, you know it if you heard it, I'm sure. I'm sure I would, yeah. Uh, apparently the song was written uh, after one of the band members saw some people on a ferry walking awkwardly to keep their balance, which reminded him of figures in some ancient Egyptian paintings and reliefs. <laughs> and so, ergo, Walk Like an Egyptian. And a classic was born. <laughs> Uh, as the song plays, we see some sort of cool imagery, basically, of all the protagonists and their tarot cards. Yeah. But before that, uh, importantly, it's like a ticking clock representing sort of the time limit they have, which yeah. uh, sort of transitions into the hand of the clock, which is kind of an arrow, transitions to a sort of shadowy arrow moving across the ground, uh, sort of, I guess, representing the journey they're taking. Right. Okay. And then we see things like um, Jojo grabbing the star card with his hand to the back of it, mm. uh, Hierophant green, sort of shooting diamonds around Kakuin and emerging from his shadow. Somewhat less subtle symbolism. Abdol standing inside Magician's Red, which is holding the tarot card in its beak. And uh, Joseph and the Night Guy are there too. Yeah, the Night Guy. Now, we haven't met him yet. No. But now we kind of might know what his tarot card is because it was there. Yeah, I'm not sure if that's the picture that's going to be on his tarot card because it was a much more abstract one than the others or if it's a sort of placeholder and not give it away. Yeah, see, I have no idea what it was, so... Well, the picture we saw was like sort of a silver cross. Okay. Hmm. And then they all sort of um, walk like in silhouette with their backs to the camera uh, into like a sort of elaborate eye shape which closes and that's the end of it. Dun-dun-dun. Or it would be the end of it. If we didn't have a post-credits scene. (laughs) What? We couldn't have an episode called The Curse of Dio without Dio making an appearance. Well, he did make an appearance. Yeah, now. No, I mean before. Oh yeah, I forgot. What? (laughs) Whoops, my bad. Dio's back, and this time he brought friends. (laughs) Dio uses a stand that looks very similar to Hermit Purple. As in, it looks the same. Yes. He takes a spirit photo. He doesn't need to break the camera for his. Which seems shocking to me. Maybe Joseph just doesn't use his to the full potential. (laughs) He just doesn't quite understand. You just touch the camera. (laughs) But Joseph is not a man of touching. He's a man of action. Yes. And he sees a photo of them sitting in the plane seats. Joseph has his hat pulled down over his face, as does Jojo, but that's more common. (laughs) And he's like, I see you coming. I got my plan. They've discovered my location, as anticipated. Will you find me here in Egypt, Joseph and Jotaro? And then... And he's talking to two two shadowy minions from last time. Yeah, one of them looks fucking ripped. Yeah. Can I just say? Mm -hmm. So I'm keen. Uh, and the other one, I thought maybe looked female, but I'm not sure. Interesting. Yeah, I'm not sure. Maybe it's just a thin dude. Mm, possible. Which seems wrong for JoJo's because all the dudes have not been thin. Oh, so you think the other one was fucking ripped. Okay, interesting. Yeah, the dude that was like squatting. Right, okay. He was like ripped as shit. Sure. Ah, oh, shit. <laughs> okay, all right. So I think you made some very apt observations there, but based on what you're saying, I think you might be applying them to the wrong people. Oh, shit, okay. Because one of them is super ripped and one of them is a lady. Oh, God. Okay. All right. Uh, and then on the plane, they realise that Dio saw him, just like how Dio realised when they were watching him before. Yeah. So Joseph is just like, oh, 
He saw me. What are your thoughts on this this stand that Dio was showing? Okay, well... Because I'm going to spoil you. That's not the stand that he uses when they fight him. Oh. Because that makes... Because, you know, Hermit Purple isn't a fighting no, stand. No, it's not. But what if he has multiple stands? Well, I think that the, the best justification, justification I've heard for this is that that would be what um, Jonathan's stand would have been. Yeah. Because, as we talked about last week, Hermit Purple is sort of symbolically an extension of Hamon abilities. Mm. I mean, that's what I was thinking, was that either Dio has Jonathan's stand... Or Dio has a stand and also has Jonathan's stand. An interesting interpretation of it that isn't... I, I, I would go as far as to say that that being Jonathan's stand is part of the canon. Um, okay. But an interesting interpretation I've heard that isn't, really. Mm. It, it would be... Because you know how Dio is sort of weakened at the moment and he's taking over uh, Jonathan's body and he's yeah. growing stronger. It'd be interesting if, um, as he's in this weaker state, he's able to use Jonathan's stand. But as he grows more... Uh, capable of controlling the body, that stand sort of falls falls away to his own. Yeah, because... Which grows more and more powerful. Right. So as he gains strength and takes over the body and dominates the body, if yeah. you will, then his stand takes over. Whereas right now it's more Jonathan's... Yeah. This is all, this is just... Fan point, theory. Yeah. Pointless speculation. But interesting speculation. Yeah. I think, you know, it's, it's of interest. It doesn't change uh, the story either way if it's true or not. But... I feel like if Dio has a stand, it's not just going to be like one because he's a vampire man. I mean, he's already got vampire powers, though. That's the thing. Oh, Remember yeah. that hair stuff he was doing earlier? True, true. That's not really a stand so no. much as he's a vampire. Yeah. Also, never saw that when he was a vampire before. No. So... He could do space ripper stingy eyes, though. He could do laser eyes. Mm-hmm. That is true. And turn his body to ice. He could turn his body to ice. That is also true. Remember how he fucked up Dyer? He did fuck up Dyer pretty hard. Also, he can fly, remember? He can... Fly. Remember he appeared on top of those rocks before he summoned Tychus and Bruford then just sort of floated away and disappeared into oh, the night? Oh yeah, true. He can teleport. Yeah. <laughs> He's a magic man. That's He's got, what he got a lot of powers under his hat. Okay, so maybe he just has the one stand, but he also has Jonathan's stand. Because, yeah. I mean, that would make sense that he had two, because then he still has the spirit of Jonathan. So yeah, one of our first rules that we heard, which I don't think we've actually heard in the fiction yet, but are sort of part of the collective understanding of Jojo hmm. uh, that a person can only have one stand and that's already been sort of just completely broken loopholed if not broken ooh ooh uh, yeah so they feel him and then yep. they're like huh, we'll come he's watching us maybe there's an enemy stand user on this plane right now and then we see a flying beetle on the plane yeah it's like got those sort of um, mandibles yeah mandibles yeah sure is that what they're called yeah they're like... They, I always thought of them as teeth as a kid, but they're not teeth at all. No, it's like... They're like big old pincers. Yeah. Mandibles. But the thing is, I never understood why a beetle has them because they don't pince. So you can't grab things with it, you know? No, I don't know what you mean. D- you know, like, they don't pince. They can. No, they can't. Not on a beetle. They're just armour. It depends what sort of beetle you're working with, I think. They're like antlers. But beetles. I think I think there's some variation among species there. Oh, maybe, yeah. Possibly, but then so which wait, one is this? this thing is flying, and we get CPR to be continued. End of episode, which is really confusing. Can I just say? Uh, so let's talk highlights and lowlights. Yes. Um, why don't you go first this time? Okay. For my highlight, I'm gonna take Avdol's story about meeting Dio in this in his shop, where Dio just is so threatening, but so sort of trying to be disarming, and he just has this real otherworldly presence that I think really sort of comes to define how they see him in this part. Mm. Uh, well, I think just that one shot of the manly man being manly. Let's go. Let's do it. Stump. Call to action. Mm-hmm. Greater things are going to come. 
Bam, let's do it. Everyone's happy. Yeah, cool. It's fucking dope. Now, as for lowlights... Ooh, what do you reckon? I don't know. It's like, I feel like nothing really egregious happened in this episode because it was kind of a low-burning low episode. Well, I reckon um, the lowlight's going to be Kakuin's really awkward, really odd description of Jojo's mum. Yeah, that's fair to say. Because it's not like... It's not bad. It's just a bit awkward. Yeah. It's like, it might be awkward to say this, but if I wanted to love someone, stop, stop, just stop. Stop it all, please. Go, stop. Stop calculating. Stop it. It's weird. You're like 17. <laughs> For my money, I think I might just take the fact that only Joseph changes outfits in this episode. You want to see more outfits? I just like the fashion, you know? Yeah. You're a man of clothing. Yeah. Yeah. Now, this time for our prediction segment where I ask you, Nick Ballantyne, what's going to happen next time on Jojo's Bizarre Adventure Stardust Crusaders. Now, we've reached the part of the story mm-hmm. where from this point on, it's basically just going to be stand user of the week, week after week after week. Right. So what I'm going to do now is rather than just ask you what's happening next because it's going to get pretty formulaic pretty quickly. Okay. Is I'm going to um going to give you the name of e- of e- of each stand or the episode at least. Oh. Uh, okay. So next week's episode and most of them are named after the enemy stand. Oh, okay. Uh, so next week's episode is called Tower of Grey. The Tower. Mm. Oh, I get it. Um okay. Hmm. Tower of Grey. Tower. Of- so they're on a plane. Okay, so they're on a plane. Some sort of beetle is on the plane. I don't know if that's significant. Some kind... I don't think it... Maybe that's just how Dio's seeing them. <laughs> um, okay. They're on a plane. They suspect so- that there could be an enemy stand user on this plane right now. Mm, they do. Okay, I reckon they're going to get off the plane. <laughs> no, right. without a vent. Without a vent, mm-hmm. right? They're going to get off the plane, walk out the airport, and then they'll be like, someone's following us. Oh, Fruit. yeah. Yeah. And then they'll start driving somewhere. Possibly somewhere that Abdul knows. Because, so, yeah, you know, they'll, they'll be in Egypt? Yeah, they'll be in Egypt. They'll start driving somewhere, and then Abdul will be like, I'll drive. And then they'll get attacked in the car. Right. The car won't get hurt, but they'll be attacked in it. And it'll be the fencing dude. Right, okay. And I'll have his mind slugged so, on him. He'll be, yeah, he'll, he'll, be, he'll be a mind slugged enemy? Yeah, he'll be mind slugged. And his stand will be Tower Grey, I think. Because that sounds vaguely nighty. That sounds vaguely nighty. Yep. And then the reason why he was taken over by Dio... What did the tower represent again? Uh, chaos and upheaval. Neither and tragedy. Um, yeah, neither of those sound very Dio-y, do they? <laughs> Maybe he's like a secretly an anarchist at heart. I mean, chaos and upheaval is exactly what Dio brought to the Joestar yeah. family. But I'm thinking like, he went in being like, we need to destroy the world or something like that, you know? Something bad. The night guy did? Yeah, the night guy did. So he was like, you know what? I'm an anarchist. We need to bring down the government. The government's <laughs> bad, you know? And then Dio was like, I can help you with that. Mind slug. And now he's like... I regret this decision. And so he's going to team up with uh, Joe. After they beat him up. Yeah, after they beat him up and save him, he's going to be like, you know what? You guys weren't the worst. Uh, now I realise that maybe I shouldn't be an anarchist <laughs> and I should actually have purpose and meaning in my life. Namely, I want to kill Dio, <laughs> which isn't anarchy. It's just kind of, you know, it's a little chaos. It's a little bit of chaos, but not too much. It's All just right. a bit. Uh, also, maybe Dio will show himself next episode. To the protagonists? Yep. And just be like, haha, you uh, fools. I am Dio. You. You'll never save your mum. Well, I mean, I'm just thinking, what time are they going to reach Egypt? Because we had the times on each mm, location. Timestamps on the stopovers and stuff. And I think they said eight or something. Something like that. And I think that's going to be eight at night. Right, so Dio's free to move and exactly. go as he pleases. So he'll just show up and be like... Because you'd think they'd want to attack him during the daytime. Yeah, but he'll get the 
the ambush. Mm. And he'll be like, yo, what up, bitches? I'm too powerful for you. Fuck your shit. And just like beat him down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Not a lot because they'll be like. But enough to sort of dishearten them. They're like, we need to find his weakness. Yeah. It'll be a logic battle. Yeah. Well, that's two battles. Like a debate. Oh, God. Well, maybe you're getting outside the scope of one episode here. Yeah, I think so. All right. So uh, let's wrap things up. I'm going to do a quick shout out to some a, uh, one of our iTunes reviewers before we wrap things up. Uh, this comes from uh, Hi from Canada. <laughs> oh, the Canada. Hi from the Canada. Hi from the Canada. Five star review entitled, I promise this isn't a correction. <laughs> I just started listening to the podcast a week ago after finishing part four of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Now I'm sad I just can't keep listening because I'm all caught up. Great podcast. Three ellipses. What is Liam's middle name? What is your middle name? My middle name is Stuart. Liam Stuart Smith. Yes. Uh, I insist on using my middle initial in things because Liam Smith is a very common name and I need that sort of extra variable sort of have some branding going on. Some sort of brandoing? Huh? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm a JoJo character. Oh, there you go. I just like, I like the idea of you just putting people off the scent by being like, so what's your middle name? S. <laughs> yeah, but what, what's your name? Stevan. I'm a snake man. <laughs> William Snakey Man Smith. Cobra. Actually, to be fair, at any point in the year... Maybe I should become Cobra Commander. <laughs> you know who's a great... We guy? must destroy G.I. Joe. Man, just imagine, like, all the dudes you could hire. Dude! You should become Liam Snake Smith. You could be solid, you could be liquid, you could be solidus. Metal Gear. You could be Metal Gear. I could I could be Cobra Commander and get a Metal Gear. <gasps> Dude, it's the perfect plan. That's Prepare it. to be emancipated from your inferior genes. Okay. <laughs> anyway, uh, end of podcast. <laughs> if you want to uh, tell a friend about the show, we'd really appreciate it. We don't have any sort of advertising or... Uh... Budget. Yep. Yeah, no, <laughs> we don't. So... Really, word of mouth is the only way we can grow the show or through um, the review and rating method of iTunes because that helps our metrics, helps us show up in searches a bit more often. Other things like that. Maybe just send me an email. I, uh, I put, tend to post episodes on our uh, links to episodes on our Twitter, also on my personal Tumblr account, uh, and they are, of course, all on our website, jojosworld.net. .net? Yes. Understood. .com was taken. Or, hey. may- or maybe too expensive, I can't remember. No one knows. <laughs> Also, Jojo's Dot World was too expensive as well. <laughs> Jojo's Dot World. Yeah. Oh, man. That'd be rough. Just trying to explain, like, it's Jojo's, without an apostrophe, dot world. Dot com? No, no. Just Jojo's, without an apostrophe, mm-hmm. dot biz. Nice. Jojo, we-, we should have gotten Jojo's dot biz. Oh, that'd be great. Anyway, we appreciate any help uh, that you can provide to help us grow the show. But uh, until next time, to, to be, be continued. continued. It's a good thing that... We'll talk about this during the episode, I guess. But it's a good thing that uh, Chitaro drew the one tarot card that didn't already have a stand associated with it. Yeah! How convenient! Uh, You see Avdol's deck and it's all stars. (laughs) This little rig it. It's just like, hey, Jotaro, you uh, you feeling lucky?